I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. Woohoo! This beautiful whiskey tenor is brought to you by Chicago having spring today. <laughs> yeah, Bear Hannah, with me. that was that was a bit of a croaky woo. It yeah. was. It was. Bear with her, yeah. People. <laughs> yeah, so welcome to the latest issue episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is a newspaper Sheena. Sorry, I'm I'm apparently in newspaper mode. Um yeah, so we hope you enjoyed our last episode about animals. I don't know about y'all, but I'm still thinking about Mademoiselle Fifi. Yes, um, Coco and, uh, always is in my heart. Yes, yes. Coco forever. Yes, um, we this uh, this edition is dedicated to our trans friends um, yes. because the Transgender Day of Visibility. Um, it's an international celebration. Um, And it's every year on March 31st. Um, We are going to get more into that in in just a second as to why we we chose this topic. But also we wanted to update you with a little bit of crime news first. Um, If you'll remember several episodes back, I don't know how many because that was forever ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We did an episode on uh, John and Jane Doe's. Do we even have any John Doe's? I can't remember. I think you had one in your, like you yeah, had a second you had story a about the, the couple. That's right. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that spirit, we wanted to mention um, a Jane Doe who was uh, finally identified uh, 62 years ago, a body of a young girl was found in Arizona and they had no idea who she was. Uh, they called her little miss. Nobody which breaks my Mm -hmm. heart. Um, But she was finally uh, identified this week, thanks to DNA technology. Her name is Sharon Lee Gallegos. I'm thinking maybe is how to say it. Okay. Um, But yeah, sweet little thing. Um, She went missing back in 1960. She was four at the time and she was abducted. Mm -hmm. Um, But they finally have, uh, they have attached a name to her. So I hope that wherever she is now she has her name back and she knows that we all love her and I, I I'm so glad that the authorities did this work because there's nothing more important I think than giving someone their name back absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> jinx <laughs> you owe me a coke <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so on to our topic this week uh the uh international transgender day of visibility it's basically to celebrate the lives and contributions of trans people but also to call out the fact that uh you know society today sometimes makes it really difficult to be trans um you know they have trans folks have difficulty getting health care sometimes or good health care or um of course trans folks especially uh trans women of color are much more likely to be murdered um and just everyday discrimination and, and all that jazz. And um, so it's a day to um, take our transgender and non-binary gender, non-conforming gender queer folks and give them a hug and say, we see you, we love you. And that's kind of what we're doing today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we each have trans people that we know and love. We each have a sworn yep. trans enemy. <laughs> it is the same, the same person. Not because they're trans, y'all. No, Not right. because they're trans. No, the stories we could tell. The long, the this is some long ago drama. Long yes. ago drama that and has people nothing don't to do like with their where we gender. talk about Ole Miss, but it's Ole Miss. Anyway. So. Yeah. 
Let's not get um, sued today. Um, yes, let's not. I, let's but, not. Yeah, before we get started, so I wanted to share this. I did get his permission to share this story um, just because it shows you just how meaningful just being considerate of who they are and their preferred po- pronouns are. So I have a nephew, Ollie, who is, I believe he's 17 now. He's a senior, lives in Florida. He is a trans male. And initially when he began dressing masculine and uh, going by the name Ollie, a lot of us were like, okay, maybe, you know, very supportive, but wondering if it was maybe a phase just from, you know, past history with issues he had had, which now come full circle, the issues he had were probably because he wasn't comfortable in his own body. Absolutely. We were in Florida visiting. We were all at dinner. I was sitting next to him and the waitress after she took his order, called him, sir. And the look on his face when she did that was just that, that cleared any doubt in my mind that he was Ollie. He was a trans man because he was so excited. He, you could have lit up a room with his, and he, he, it was just the, I could tell how proud he was. And, you know, honestly, since then him being his true self, he's so much more pleasant to be around. He's fun. He's creative. He's being able to be himself. And I, I just hate what's going on in Florida now with the whole don't say gay um, legislation or whatever, because if he was younger, that would greatly impact him. Luckily he's a senior. He's about to get out. So proud. He's going to the uh, Savannah college of art and design. He's a very talented, very talented artist. Um, That's wonderful. And, and again, that moment, it was just the smallest thing that waitress called him, sir. Oh, you know, it's so use the, I hope good things happen to her. Right. Use, use the, who the fuck cares if I say I want to be known as Layla Sinclair. Call right. me Layla Sinclair. That's exactly that's the name I choose to go by. Who, you know, it doesn't. It's me. It's what I want to go by. If I want to, if I prefer uh, non-binary pronouns, or if I uh, identify as a trans male or trans female, what does it matter? Be respectful of that person. And again, that moment just really it it, it painted a clear picture to me. Uh, um, and so it's. It's just something that I'm very passionate about, have always right. been supportive of the trans community, but having someone in my family go through all the emotions and trauma that uh, children and teenagers go through when they don't feel like they were Absolutely. born in the right body, just, just very. So Ollie, if you're listening, hi, I love you. Hi, I'm so Ollie. proud of you. <laughs> we yes. love you, Ollie. Your auxiliary aunties love you as well. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, But yeah, I think that's one thing that's so important is, you know, and we've, this is something we've discussed before of in so, in some ways, so many things can be um, fixed by simply minding your own business. Exactly. Thinking so much about what bathroom someone's going in and do the bare minimum and respect someone's pronouns and and names. Like it's not hard to do. It's, Mm -hmm. it's very simple. Um, so to me, it's like this very easy thing to do of, you know what, mind your own business and respect people that is that and honestly this is going to be the first of many hot takes for me (laughs) in this uh episode um because that waitress is the last person in this episode i'm going to wish well for um (laughs) yeah but 
straight cis people spend more time thinking about gay sex God, and yes. trans exactly. people's genitals like, you're than exactly right. any queer person I have ever met. A hundred percent. Like y'all, if you want to try butt stuff, try butt stuff. Just <laughs> exactly. you know, over it. Yeah. If and- you want to have sex with another lady, have sex with another lady. Give it a go. Take it for a whirl. Nobody right. gives a shit. Just stop worrying about it because yeah. I yeah. swear to God, I am a, I am surrounded by gays and theys. And they do not think about sex. No, this no. no, they do absolutely not things like go to brunch. Okay, <laughs> brunch is beautiful. It's yes. wonderful. Um, but yeah, I've, and and I think I've been guilty in the past of over oversimplifying and Pollyanna Pollyanna-ing the transgender experience because I've always been like, oh, it's so beautiful. They're being who they are. And, right. and that is beautiful. It's hard. It's but hard. transitioning is really difficult. I'm seeing that through um, someone in my life. I don't know if he wants me to call him out, but right. Same. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I see the struggle and I respect it. And I, I see how hard they're fighting to be themselves. And as I've, I see that with a lot of trans people, that it's not just some beautiful easy metamorphosis it it, no. it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of um you, you do need a lot of support and things like that so mm-hmm. if you are trans if you are questioning your gender if you're anything like that please know that we support you and we love you exactly and the mm-hmm. states of texas and florida can eat a dick basically <laughs> eat I'm a like, whole bag of dicks sheena won't say it but i will <laughs> well it's i don't and, and i still kind of think that's a polite thing to tell them <laughs> exactly um, because that texas stuff really it's disgusting takes yeah. me off they're, it is they're disgusting call okay, your senators yes okay. yes call your senators but i'm not going to preach on it we're going to get to our stories um yes. but i did want to say too i I was going into this very much thinking, oh, I want to celebrate trans people. And then I'm like, you know what? No, we also need to talk that they have been through some stuff and we need to recognize and respect those struggles, but also celebrate who they are. So absolutely, I hope that comes through in this episode. I don't want to um, just be like, oh, let's just talk about struggles because let's have some trauma. Yeah, but let's let's also respect that it happened, but also let's celebrate who these folks are because we picked some stellar folks to present Mm -hmm. to you today. Absolutely. And we're celebrating legacies. Yes, absolutely. Hannah, kick us off. Yes. Okay. So prepare to get really pissed with me. Gird your loins. Gird your loins, ladies and gents, and those of you on the binary. 1993 was a weird year. If you're wondering if the timeline has always been a little nutty, 1993 years here to set you at ease. We've always been crazy. <laughs> the Branch Davidian compound raid ended in a fatal fire. The World Trade Center was bombed for the first time. Vincent Price died. The Mississippi River flooded. And newly inaugurated President Bill Clinton announced Don't Ask, Don't Tell, mm-hmm. which would be the law of the land regarding LGBT plus military service until 2011. However, Minnesota, an unlikely progressive beacon in the upper Midwest, would make discrimination against gay, lesbian, and transgender people illegal, the first state in the country to do so. Not a great time to be gay, certainly not a great time to be trans anywhere outside of Minnesota. The first trans day of visibility wouldn't be until 2009. And Brandon Tina who on December 31st, 1993, had just turned 21, wouldn't live to see 1994, much less 2009. Man. 
It's never been recorded that Brandon went by Brandon Tina during his life, but that has been the name relegated to him in the ensuing years. He would also go by Billy Brinson on some occasions. We will not be using his dead name. Brandon, born December 12th, 1972. So he had literally just turned 21. Mm-hmm. Had a rough beginning. His father died before his birth, and he was raised along with a sister, Tammy, by a single mother, Joanne. Brandon and his sister, Tammy, would live with their grandmother for his first three years before moving with their mother into a trailer park in Lincoln, Nebraska. I can't think of anything more depressing than a trailer park in Lincoln, Nebraska. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) Oh, it was a gray, cold mop water of a beginning, and unfortunately, it wouldn't get better. He and his sister would be molested by an uncle for several years. Because let's just add to this. He would be labeled a tomboy throughout his childhood and began presenting as male around adolescence, made all the more difficult by the fact that he attended Catholic schools. He would violate the dress code by dressing more masculine and arguing with the priests. Love it. Love that for him. (laughs) After his 18th birthday, he would try to enlist in the army, but was rejected after listing his sex as male. He was expelled from high school just days before graduation. Using a binder for his chest, Brandon would pursue relationships with younger girls. He began his first real relationship with a teenager named Heather, and he began working at a gas station to save up money for a place of their own. His mother did not approve of the relationship. And would enlist his sister as a spy. Oh, geez. Brandon would receive psychiatric treatment for a, quote, sexual identity crisis because the 90s were pretty fucking terrible. Yes, our fashion was fun. Yes, the music was great. It wasn't a really stellar time for anything progressive, I assure you. Right. It was during his initial treatment that he revealed he had been sexually assaulted. Brandon moved to Richardson County, Nebraska after some legal trouble. It's not uncommon for trans folks to find themselves on the other side of the law, not because they're inherently amoral criminals, but because marginalized people often have to go outside of society to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. Either way, he would move in with Lisa Lambert and begin dating her friend, Lana Tisdale. Lana was friends with two gross Nebraska bums named John Lauder and Tom Neeson. Fuck these dudes. Right before Christmas 1993, Brandon got pinched for check forgery, a crime that is no longer even possible. (laughs) His dead name was published in the local police blotter, essentially outing him to the community. Lauder and Neeson decided it was their mission to make sure Lana knew what the genital configuration of her partner was. Which I'm going to go out on a limb here and say she probably had already figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. And why was it their business anyway? Exactly. Either way, they disrobed Brandon in front of Lana and forced her to look. They then sexually assaulted Brandon. Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. That happened. Mm. Should have trigger warning this. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We'll we'll put that on the episode. Yeah. There we Mm -hmm. go. Brandon did what they always tell sexual assault victims to do. Otherwise, their assault isn't real. He went to the cops. Unfortunately for Brandon, the cop in question was a real big piece of shit. Of course. Richardson County Sheriff Charles 
locks i'm not gonna even bother to pronounce his name correctly would perform a police interview that has not undeservingly been called another rape oh my god transcripts of it exist and it's fucking vile like literally asking him well was his penis hard or oh my god well did it hurt when they did it like oh my god there's transcripts online. I'm not going to uh-uh. go any further than that no, because no. it is honestly no, 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 no. like you read it and you're like, fuck this dude. I hope mm. he gets syphilis and genital herpes and his dick falls off and exactly. explodes first. <laughs> In order to keep Brandon from pressing charges, though it seemed like they already had the sheriff on their side, Lauder and Neeson broke into Lisa Lambert's house and murdered her with her toddler still in her arms. Dear God. Brandon and Philip Devine, an African-American man who was dating Lisa's sister and had slept over at the house. Brandon was shot and stabbed. Lauder and Neeson were convicted of murder with Neeson being put to death. I don't like the death penalty, but yay. Mm-hmm. And Lauder serving life in prison. I've seen interviews with him. He is a white trash, disgusting piece of shit. Good riddance and fuck off. Yeah. Brandon was dead named on his headstone. Hillary Swank received an Oscar for her portrayal of Brandon in Boys Don't Cry, which I did not realize came out in 1999. I felt like it came out way before then, but Me time too. has no yeah. meaning. <laughs> and Hillary Swank is fucking amazing in that movie. It's a brilliant movie. You will ball your eyes out. It's wonderful. Brandon's did anything mo- i gotta stop you real quick Go i didn't ahead. i i'd never seen the movie my mom wouldn't allow me to watch it because of the you know yeah, the yeah. violence uh the baby doesn't die does he they, no they the baby lives the baby. okay baby lives they well, if there's a bright side to those fuckers exactly they didn't kill the baby but yeah they found like she was still holding the baby oh my god when they found her Yeah. Um, And during her acceptance speech, Hillary Swank um, thanked um, and mentioned Brandon. Um, Brandon's mother balked at the reference to Brandon's name, saying people didn't know what they were talking about, as if her son was not trans. Mm -hmm. And Lana would sue the movie for her portrayal, saying that it portrayed her as a sneaky skank. If garbage shits, Lana. <laughs> I'm just you got played by Chloe Svinny, bitch. So maybe calm down. Don't sue me. I have no money. Uh, garbage humans all around. Brandon's story has been fading more and more from the cultural memory, though with every trans person's obituary, at least six that we know of so far this year. And I say that we know of with emphasis because these things aren't reported well. Mm-hmm. Um, unless somebody knows for a fact that this person is trans and makes a point to say it, the family does what Brandon's family did and dead names them. And um, mm-hmm. like that poor, poor boy on TikTok who completed suicide a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and was dead named by his family in his obituary and in his mm-hmm. funeral service. So, you know, a lot of times you just don't know. Um, his life and death are still relevant. Again, mm-hmm. like we talked about in the lead up, trans people are far more likely to be victims of violent crime. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Did he have a criminal background? Yeah, because that's how trans people have to make ends meet. But that when doesn't you're matter. Exactly. Nope. It was for mm. check forgery, not, you know, I shooting know. nuns in the Dear face God. or something. 
check forgery does not mean that you deserve to be sexually exactly. assaulted no. and murdered. Exactly. Not it's not like you drop kicked babies or some shit. Jesus. There still isn't a permanent memorial for Brandon with his what? preferred name. Like I said, his family dead named him on um, his tombstone, which is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, the house where he, Lisa, and Philip were murdered um, is still standing. It's in really rural Nebraska, um, which is somebody from rural Arkansas. Even I'm like, ooh. Um, there's something about the rural Midwest that I'm like, Ugh, no, no, don't do that. Um, but it's in disrepair and a, um, and a reporter from, let me make find the story again because it was a really good story um and i want to make sure i get the the author's name correct um i was from daily coast so it was you know um an internet person (laughs) um but went and you know thought about you know what if we put up a plaque here and with Nebraska still being what Nebraska is, it would probably get torn down or vandalized like poor Emmett Till's, you know, plaque is still often does. vandalized. Exactly. So I like me and the girls have kind of talked about this and I am not overly worried about stepping on the family's toes because they sound like horrible people. Sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, something with his name mm-hmm. as it was you know, a tree in an arboretum. I mean, mm-hmm. if I have to do it up here in Chicago, I'm completely happy to do it. So anyone in like kind of the trans community um, who's looked into this or thought about this, get a hold of us, uh, cemeteryrowpod at gmail.com. It's just something that like I like as soon as I read that and realized, you know, they had dead named him and that there still isn't. And I go, you know, I looked Brandon Tina memorials, nothing absolutely nothing and his death ahead of um that poor poor fella in um wyoming matthew shepherd matthew shepherd you know is what really led to the gay rights Mm -hmm. movement within the 90s i mean the gay rights movement has been going on for as long as time but it really brought like hate crimes and hate crime legislation really to the forward um, more so than we had seen previously because gay bashing was still very much a thing throughout the 90s, you know? Yeah. Um, so if that is something, you know, within the community, I being cis don't, you know, want to step on anyone's ish or, you know, get out of line, but there needs to be a memorial for him with his mm-hmm. preferred name. And so mm-hmm. that, you know, he has a legacy here on earth where, we as a community say, we see you, we see who you were, who yeah. you wanted to be, and we honor and respect that. Yeah. Yeah. So anything we can do, if, if anyone has any ideas or anything, please let us know, because it's, t- to me, dead naming anyone, especially in something where it's kind of permanent, like an obituary, a absolutely um, stone. Where it's a first source. I mean, that's, it's, it's a the first, first source. source. Yeah. Now, when, when you're dead naming someone like that, 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 that's going down in history where people are going to be looking at that for years to come. That's a hundred percent unacceptable. You have to use their name that they absolutely. want. You have to use their correct pronouns. You cannot dead name them and misgender them. So yeah. If anyone has any ideas, please reach out to us. Yes. yes. So Yeah yeah yes yes just yes i was like typing this like 
up at work. And I was like, if anyone comes in this office right now, I'm going to start screaming. Yeah. Well, another thing, um, and it's been recently that she came out and said this, um, because there's been a lot of criticism of cis actors portraying Mm -hmm. trans um, Mm -hmm. people. And um, Hillary Swank has said that if she could do it over, she would not take the role. Right. Um, that she, she would, you know, so good. She did. And it's um, another one. Felicity Huffman did Trans America and she was right. really good in that. She played a uh, trans female. Um, but I think society now has come to under or come to terms with the fact that there are just like there are, there's been a big uproar about Renee Zellweger wearing a fat suit for, mm-hmm. right. We don't talk about Pam or whatever that is. Right. Yeah. Um, why couldn't you have just hired a plus size actress? Right. There are plenty of plus size actresses. There are plenty of trans actors and actresses. Um, and so it's nice that Hillary Swank has has seen that and understands that. Yeah. Yeah. That role should have been played by a trans man. Right. At the time, that's what was, you know, it was unheard of to still is pretty pretty much. I mean, the only trans actor I know of is Laverne Cox. I'm sure right. there's more, but oh, those, that's just the yeah. most well-known. Well, um, it's like, um, I believe her name is MJ Rodriguez. She's from Pose, which, oh uh-huh. my yeah. God, I, I'm obsessed with Pose. Um, she was just named a woman of the year and everyone's giving her crap for it. She's a trans woman. And I'm like, nope, she's a woman. In right. story. Yes. Okay, J.K. Rowling. You are, you... There, there are women, there are women with uteruses, there are women with penises. Right. Who it cares? Oh, anyway, yeah. MJ Rodriguez, that's her name. There are a okay. lot of trans actors on Pose who are incredible. See, I, I never, I never watched Pose. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. I love Pose. I cry at almost every episode. <sighs> anyway. All right. Um, we, I don't think we decided who was going second. Me or you? Nope. <laughs> nope. We didn't. So, well, I'm going to go ahead and go because I'm going to okay. steal your thunder because uh, I'm stealing your intro. So, sorry, yeah, Sheena. I got it. That's fun. Picture it Oxford, Mississippi. <laughs> oh. I think it, I think it was 2007. I can't be sure though. I was sitting in my weekly Southern Studies class, The South in Film. Instead of her usual spiel about the film we were about to watch, my professor, Dr. Catherine McKee, simply started the documentary, deliberately having us go in cold, knowing nothing about it. And so now I will tell you a little bit about that film. It begins on the face of an older, haggard-looking man sitting in a chair watching the sunrise on Easter morning. He's talking to someone, presumably the person behind the camera, and he says the following quote, and this is long, so bear with me, quote, and I wish I could understand why they did what they did, why they had to feel that way. And I know in a way that they have contributed to my dying here, but I can't hate them. I don't hate them. I feel sorry for them. I can't say I actually forgive them for what they've done. I think that's more between them and God, but I don't hate them. I guess what makes me most sad is that they probably feel like they did the right thing. End quote. Mm. Wow. We then switch scenes to the same man driving down a rural road in Tocoa, Georgia, which he refers to as the heart of the KKK. Yeah. He then proceeds to tell a story. He says, quote, I had met up with some of the good old boys in town. 
The first time I met the fellow was at Walmart. I was sitting outside having my pipe and he was sitting down smoking his pipe and we got to chatting and he starts telling me about this group he belongs to. And he just knew that I would fit right in with them boys, that I would be a good asset to their organization. It's a shoot off of the KKK and they're asking me to join their group. And I love it. I do. It just kind of shows that if people can give you half a chance, they accept you without realizing it. But I can just imagine if I walked into their meeting and introduced myself and tell them what I am, I imagine it would be quite a scene, end quote. Indeed. Can I just say, it amazes me how white men in the South, autumn, if you're white too and they're speaking to you, they automatically mm-hmm. assume you agree with them. And they uh, share their oh, gross yes. beliefs. Yeah, like my mom says that all the time. Women too. It does happen with white women too. That's true because mm-hmm. people will say stuff to my mother and expect her to agree. And she is a raging liberal. And she's like, are you <laughs> kidding me? So no. yeah, it, it kills me how white people just assume other white people are as racist and bigoted as, as they are. And it's like, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. It's not until 13 minutes in that we learned this man, Robert Eads is trans. The, uh, the filmmaker wanted people to meet the characters in this documentary as who they are and who they live as. And the fact that he's trans and many of the people that are in this documentary with him are trans is kind of a moot point. It's a side side point. Mm-hmm. However, Robert is suffering from ovarian cancer that is present in his ovaries, uterus, and cervix. Oh, he is going to die. And when it happens, the responsibility will lie solely with the doctors who refused to treat him. Jesus. Of course. First, do no harm, huh? Right. Yeah. This is some bullshit. So. The documentary also features what he refers to as his chosen family, which is comprised of trans man Cass Petrosky and his wife, who is cisgendered. Uh, her name is Stephanie. And there is a whole little side story about Cass's horribly botched top surgery that mm. is just heartbreaking. Oh um, my God. But so we learn a little bit about him and his cisgender wife, who's been married six times and has been brutalized herself. Um, mm growing up in rural poor um georgia i can only imagine what she went through right um and she's older than him so it's so cute seeing the two of them together you know it's mm-hmm. they're a very cute couple and then also robert's best friend and trans man maxwell anderson and maxwell's girlfriend who is a trans female named Corey. so that's kind of our cast of characters max and robert had a very close relationship they described each other as kind of being father and son or Mm. brother to brother dynamic because they both started transitioning at the same time kind of together so they they had that bond robert eads was born barbara to joe and pauline have no idea what their last name was on december 18th 1945 he had two brothers frank and oogie (laughs) okay yeah uh during the film he shows photos from his childhood to his girlfriend lola cola (laughs) who is a who is a trans female and i don't really know how to describe it if you are a member of the trans community and can explain it or you know kind of translate for me um no pun intended yeah yes she is a trans female 
uh, but it appears as if she hasn't fully transitioned. She still goes by um, her dead name, John, in her work life. She owns her own business. And at some point in the documentary mentions that it's just easier for her to be John. Mm-hmm. Um, and she always, she doesn't always dress feminine. She'll dress, uh, or, and her appearance will be male throughout part of the documentary. So it may be that she wasn't quite ready to fully transition into Lola Cola. She was very kind of well-known in the trans community, but that that is kind of a, a part of her that I felt was worth mentioning. That well, um, it, I wonder too, if it's a safety issue. And it very yeah. well could be. Um, yeah. Robert at one point mentions he's only met John once and it was a lot like seven years before he's, uh, she, right. she has always been Lola Cola to him. Yeah. Um, in the pictures, Robert is dressed in frilly dresses with ribbons and bows, and he looks fucking pissed as hell in every single one of them. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and he recalls how much he hated being forced into dresses. And there's a picture of him holding this big gaudy doll. And he's like, <laughs> all I wanted was a bow and arrow set. And here I am being forced to pose with this doll. Um we do learn a little more about his past. He married the only man he could stand and did have two sons, Doug <laughs> and Bo. Um, he always knew he wanted to be a parent, but he hated the way it felt being pregnant. He mm-hmm. said, quote, it's the worst and the best thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. End quote. I cannot imagine feeling yeah, inside that you're it. a man, but being pregnant and experiencing right. all the. Oh, yeah. No, um, no. It's funny too, because I've seen a couple of um, trans men mm-hmm. who are pregnant and who give birth and it's really cool. And it's, yeah, there was it the, looks the so guy. Yeah. Years ago it's, the... it's lovely. But at the same time, I'm like, I would think that would be a, a wild. Right. Well, because you have to kind of sensation. change all your, your hormones. I, I would think yeah. you have to stop the testosterone, but um, anyway, so Robert eventually divorced his husband and lived as a lesbian for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived with his second spouse, who was a female psychologist next door to his parents for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he presented as lesbian, but deep down, he knew that he was not a gay woman. He was a heterosexual male. Uh, after he and his wife divorced, he finally came out to his parents and his mom, um, uh, she came around to understanding, but he said at one point, she said, quote, why couldn't you have just stayed gay? And oh, oof. God. I oof. cannot imagine my parents saying that to me. No, no um, not at all. So in the late 80s, he moved to Florida where he began transitioning to male. He began taking testosterone and had top surgery. Um, he wanted to have the full hysterectomy, but because he was in his uh, early forties, his doctor said, there's really no point. You're already starting to show signs of menopause. <laughs> oh, the irony of that statement. Right. Um, Robert would go on to say, quote, it's kind of a cruel joke. The last part of me that's female is killing me. Ugh. Right. So his illness presented in 1996, he was visiting friends and started to feel very sick, but did not want to go to the hospital, um, knowing that the looks he would get and how he would be treated. Mm -hmm. However, one evening he woke up in a pool of his own blood. The friends forced him to go. And that was when he was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm. I think he said he had a tumor the size of a softball. 
Oh, oh gosh. Bless so God. he and the friends he was staying with began making calls to doctors and hospitals, but no one would treat him. I think they called over 20 physicians and they all said no. Gosh. And one doctor even had the nerve to say, quote, it would be too much of an embarrassment to my other patients to have you in here, end quote. Are you oh, fucking Let the me. rage commence. What I hope the that doctor fuck? is suffering. I hope, I, I hope he gets herpes and his dick falls off too. Exactly. Like what the actual fuck? It's not like these patients are seeing what's going on I behind mean, the curtain. It's not like a group pap smear for fuck. <laughs> exactly. Again, mm. cis people, mind your own coochie. Exactly. Pay attention to your own genitals. Don't worry about the person next to you's genitals. Nope. Mm -mm. Not your business. After a year of searching, he was able to find treatment at the Medical College of Georgia Hospital. But at that point, there was nothing they could do. The cancer Mm. had metastasized to virtually every part of his Mm. body. Treatment would be pointless. It's actually kind of, and he jokes about it. He's uh, he's a very heavy smoker. There is not a scene in this documentary that he is not puffing on a pipe or a cigarette. And he says his lungs are the only place where there isn't cancer. And that if he does, if he stops smoking, the cancer will just get into his lungs that way. So it was was kind of, you know, a dark humor, humorous moment. Um, so the, the film Southern Comfort was filmed throughout Robert's final year in 1998 and his goal of making it to the Southern Comfort Convention, an annual conference for the trans community that was held in Atlanta. Robert was greatly involved in this conference, went every year. I think at one point he co-chaired it with his friend Max. Mm-hmm. He was to make a special speech during this event and he and Lola were actually going to be leading a discussion group on intimacy for partners who are both trans Mm. so this was a very important event for him he really wanted to be in good spirits and be healthy for it um at some point during this year he did reconnect with his older son i'm not sure which one it was um he they and they interview the son and he kind of struggles with his dad's pronouns uh, but he seems to have a good relationship with him. And at mm-hmm. one point he says that if he had ever gotten married, Robert would have been his best man. So Aww. that's, that's very, very nice to see. And we do meet Robert's parents. They don't allow their faces to be shown on camera because mm. they don't want their neighbors to see because mm. uh, when neighbors ask, Oh, where's Barbara? They say, Oh, we don't really get along. We had a difference of opinion. And oh. when Robert's there, they introduce him as their nephew instead oh god god they suffer too sucks yes i mean and okay i get i get to that in a second so and you also meet his adorable grandson whom i'm assuming is the younger son's uh child and he just you can tell that kid adores his papa he was about three just a beautiful Mm -hmm. child and the love between them is just it's so so sweet um his parents are really hard to like as i i'm sure you imagine Off camera, his father says that he always dreamed his only daughter would grow up to marry a man who would become president or who was king of a foreign land. Oh, but now uh, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I know. Have you seen our presidents? Um, (laughs) But now, quote, those dreams were shattered. Oh, Oh, boo hoo. Boo hoo. 
fuck off, you old man. This is your <laughs> child. He was not happy living as a woman. Why can't you just yes. be fucking happy that he is finally comfortable in his own body? He, ha- he has someone he loves, a family he loves. He's dying for fuck's sake. This is not about you. And, you and know, you're sad over a son-in-law you didn't get. As, right. as to one thing that I've discussed a lot with someone very close to me who is trans, it seems as though trans men are a lot of times more easily accepted in society because, oh, of course you want to be a man. Uh. But why would you, if you are a, if you were born male, why would you want to be something so low down as a woman? Uh, yeah. So it's kind of funny to me almost that they're like, oh, our quote unquote daughter is a man. No, she's always been a man. Yeah. Right. He has well, always been a man. Like and, he's, and yeah, something that's interesting <sighs> anyway. that I didn't type in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and pop it in here too. Um, at one point, I, I, and I believe it's Maxwell who starts talking about just the dis- I don't want to say discrimination, but just how hard it is for trans men to get gender reassignment surgery because yeah. of how fucking mm-hmm. expensive it is. I think it's like a hundred thousand dollars for yeah. that procedure. Yeah. And it's easier for a trans female to have sexual reassignment surgery. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it was frustrating for, for the trans men because well, for Robert, for him, the genitals don't really matter. It's who you right. are in your heart and your head. Mm-hmm. And for him, the top surgery was enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't feel a need, even if he could have had the opportunity to have bottom surgery, yeah. he didn't feel a need to have that. Yeah. Um, so you did get those two different perspectives, but yeah. it blows my mind that it's that expensive to oh, have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know like I had recently had surgery in my hospital bill before insurance was $51,000 for a three day stay. So I cannot imagine. It's just, it's totally unfair healthcare in the United States for another episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Robert does have, did eventually become too sick to live alone and he moved Mm -hmm. in with Lola. um, And, but eventually she could not take care of him on, on her own. He needed around the clock medical care and he was moved into a nursing home where he passed away on January 17th, 1999. He was Mm. 53 years old. Mm. So young. Yes. He was cremated and his ashes were scattered under Christmas tree. His chosen family planted on his farm. Yeah. So I wish I could provide updates on what happened to his chosen family, but I could find nothing on Cass or Stephanie Petrowski Mm. or even Robert's girlfriend, Lola Cola. (laughs) did find Max Anderson, mm-hmm. his best friend, his buddy, was a very well-known and respected, um, or, or was very well-known and respected in the trans community as an activist, therapist, and grief counselor. He had a Good. PhD yeah. in psychology oh, and wow. founded a transgender support group called the Eden Society when he was living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Aww. which was before Southern Comfort was filmed. Mm-hmm. He did marry his girlfriend from the documentary, Corey. Um, sadly, he died on January 14th, 2010 mm-hmm. of glioma, a very aggressive form of brain cancer oh, at age 53. Wow. Really? So the same, same age as Robert. Yes. Oh, I could not find burial information. He may have been cremated. I did see that his obituary did not include 
Corey. So I don't know if they had gotten divorced or it looked like his sister may have been responsible for his obit. So maybe she just was being a bitch. I don't know. (laughs) But isn't it funny how sometimes you can read an obit and tell which family member. Oh, yeah. Uh He he is, uh, (laughs) you know, his survive. He is survived by his loving sister and his cat. Mm -hmm. Like, well, he had more siblings and his mother was still alive when he does. So anyway. Yeah. So Southern Comfort, the documentary, received the Grand Jury Prize at the 2001 Sundance Film Festival, as well as first prize at the Seattle International Film Festival and the Special Audience Award at the Berlin Film Festival. I should have written her name down. I know her first name is Kate, but this this director, she lived, practically lived with Robert for that entire year. She became a part, she stayed in his trailer with him. She said she was his caretaker first and the director, filmmaker second, because there were times when she would have to help him. He would stumble, he would fall. He was getting up all hours of the night. She really took care of him. And she um, said that it was nine months after he died before she could even look at the footage. Oh, bless. So that kind of gives you the timeline from when this was filmed and why it took so long for it to actually be released. Um. She also is responsible for the Sandra Bland doc, Say Her Name. Oh, there was, okay. There was, there was one other uh, true crime doc. I cannot. Uh, um, oh, sh- murder in, um, I can't think of it. Shit. It's the one where the whole family. Murder in Connecticut? Some, something like that. Yeah, it's not. Uh, fuck. I'll have to look it up when I'm done here. Look, look, ooh. You literally told us in a message. I told day, you in a I message and I now. cannot. Uh, someone talk for a second. Um, yeah, I can't type. Um, but yeah, can, can you imagine um, no. <laughs> being a filmmaker and becoming a part of your person, like well, like the the, the yeah. life and becoming a caretaker and okay, hold and on. I can't imagine, as you say, sort of being a trans man and having to deal with ovarian cancer mm-hmm. yeah that i cannot imagine. i mean that is a cruel cruel joke That's cruel the chest the chest cheshire the, murders yes there we go kate crime, davis yes kate davis sorry for the the pause y'all but we I love you to, kate yes i wanted to get that out um oh, she crime also of, did one on stonewall Oh, okay. yeah, I forgot about it. So True Crime Obsessed has covered both the Cheshire murders and the um, Sandra Bland doc, which is why I was like, oh, wow. OK, very cool. Um, so back to the documentary, a stage musical was developed in early 2016. Oh, wow. It received criticism because they hired cisgender actors to play transgender mm. characters. Uh, but in 2019, Pride Films and Plays, where do you think this is located, Hannah? Chicago? Yes. They announced that a production would include trans performers playing all five trans characters. I don't know if it happened, but an announcement was made. Okay. So as for Robert's legacy, every year, Robert Eads Day is celebrated on January 17th as a part of Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. It Mm -hmm. raises awareness for preventative care and early detection of cancer and HPV in trans men. Following his death, Lola founded the Robert Eads Health Partnership as a part of the Southern Comfort Conference, but I could not find any updated information about this partnership. 
partially because of what I'm about to share. The conference moved from Atlanta in 2015 to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It was canceled in 2017 because of Hurricane Irma. Mm -hmm. It returned in Fort Lauderdale in 2018 and 2019, but was canceled again in 2020 and 2021 because of COVID. Um, As of today's recording, their website has not mentioned anything about whether they will hold a conference this year. So that is probably why I was unable to find anything about, uh, the Robert Eads health partnership. It, um, I think they put on a health fair at, during the conference for trans people to. <laughs> sorry, my neighbors are being crazy. That was not about you. <laughs> like, y'all so that was, that, that was not a, that was a visual medium, but the look on <laughs> she, Sheena's face just now was like, what the fuck, Lori? And no, I'm no, no. So it's glad all of my neighbors keep making noises. And I'm like, it was not, not me. No, 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 it was no. Not me. But anyway, sorry. so that is so, the so very sad story of Robert Eads. Um, doctors, physicians, if you're listening, who the fuck can treat your patients if they have treat fucking cancers, whether they have right. cancer and they're living as a female, whether they have ovarian cancer and they're living as a male, treat them because at yes. the end if of the day, if they have ovaries, treat the fucking ovaries. Right. At the end of the day, the doctors are responsible for his death and they should have been lawsuit should have been filed on should his have. behalf yes to send a message that you can't get away with this shit yes. oh he was a good looking dude for an older man oh yeah yeah i mean just good old boy and you can look at pictures of him and say oh yeah i can see why the kkk would want him he looks like a good old boy right. um, oh yeah yeah he's a good looking guy yeah yeah that's like brandon was hot like i told yeah. you guys yeah was like, he was, he was I, very new kids on the block like he was very handsome hot yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing. And Robert did not get to live as a male for very long. Mm, um, like may, maybe 10 years was all he mm. got to be himself. So it's, it's yeah. very sad. And the rage has settled down now that I've been able to share it with the two of you. So Sheena, yeah, tell us about your lovely in all caps. Yeah. So I understand. <laughs> mine, mine too. All caps, bold, underlined. Yes. Yeah, there's misspellings left and right. I was I was in a points were made. Yes. Well, mine, mine, like I said, I I know I'm guilty of being like always wanting to just celebrate, not talk about the bad stuff. But I did want to find someone who did get to live their truth pretty well um, throughout their life, but who who made a difference and who was um, I always like people who are like the first to do something. That's always cool. Anyway, picture it. Canada, the 1960s. Jackie Shane became the first transgender woman to hit the Canadian music charts, although they technically did not know that she was transgender at the time, but still for her, Uh, she enjoyed a nearly decade long career full of hit songs and electric live shows. But in the early seventies, she essentially disappeared from the spotlight. And after about 50 years of speculation on her whereabouts, uh, she reemerged just a few years ago for one last hurrah. So let's get into the glitz and glamour and sometimes difficult, but mostly glitz and glamour life of the fabulous Jackie Shane. So Jackie Shane, yes, Jackie Shane was born in Nashville, Tennessee on May 15th, 1940. Hello, fellow Taurus. As you can imagine, being black and a young transgender person in the 40s and 50s was not always easy in the Jim Crow South. I can't imagine. I mean, you got, unfortunately, a, a lot going on that the South just 
No, I mean, it's not just the South. Let me say that. But right. But it's Southwest. working against you. It's yeah. working against you. Um, but she did have some support. She knew by the age of 13 that she was a woman and her mother, Jessie Shane, comp- supported her unconditionally. Her mother told her, you have nothing to cry about or be ashamed of or anything. You're magnificent. Oh, I have so many good quotes throughout the story. <laughs> the only so good sweet. mama in the whole oh, the, thing. She was a good yes. mama. Very good mama. Uh, Jackie wore makeup to school um, and for the most part she was pretty well accepted I think it's as we were saying before we're so much more conservative now than we were yeah. then I think and I think kids are so much more accepting than adults obviously but oh yeah um, but Jackie had what I think a lot of trans people have in a lot of ways she had a really strong survival instinct and, and she could be very defensive but she also just had a lot of good confidence and she was just like this is me take it or leave it um, she did tell Love the New it. York Times about a time that a classmate in elementary school hit her with a with a rock. I don't know if this is because she was feminine or if kids are assholes. kids are being kids. <laughs> yeah, but either way, it happened, and so she beat him with a jump rope. <laughs> and then when a teacher tried to intervene, she attacked the teacher. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Which I'm like, I'm here for it. Such good um, energy. Yeah, I hate that you had to do that. I hate that you had to be so defensive and so protective of yourself. But I get it um she often just described herself as gay as as a young gay man but of course that was not you know this was years before gender and sexuality was so were both so openly discussed so she just i think went with what was the most easily understandable term but she was a transgender woman um she told the new york times in 2017 i was just being me i never tried to explain myself to anyone they never explained themselves to me oh oh bam I'm like, I love that quote. Is she wrong? Is she wrong? Nope. Um, Not at all. Yeah. So she started her career in Nashville performing in gospel uh, gospel groups. She was both a drummer and a singer. And here's one of my favorite things about her was she would perform in these gospel groups and go to church to perform in these gospel groups, but she would not stay for the preaching. She said, I told them (laughs) I will sing, but when the minister comes on to do his bit, I leave. I don't want to hear it. Nah, good no. for you. I love, love her so it. much, y'all. <laughs> so she also was a session drummer. So she played on a lot of records. Uh, she, you know, palled around with a lot of uh, young up and coming black artists at the time, like Little Richard and Jimi Hendrix, which I can't mm. imagine <laughs> hanging out oh with my those God. guys. Um, but of course, the Jim Crow South was the Jim Crow South and she got really? tired of it. Um, so she eventually kind of in a eventually landed in toronto canada in 59 and canada became her home she said she really loved it there she felt free there good for her but of course canada is not perfect (laughs) um there were masquerade laws um which would ban men from wearing dresses basically (laughs) drag in the street so she would like have to wear a long coat to cover up her clothes while she traveled between venues um, if the police ha- harassed her, and of course they do because she's a transgender woman, uh, they would, you know, harass her and then they try to get her boyfriends to say she was a sex worker and they would be like, no, <laughs> you know, right. Thank God they defended her anyway, but Jackie's career kicked off in Canada as the lead singer of Frank Motley and his Motley crew, which is a soul band. That's a fun name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Um, she was mostly presenting as a man, but she did perform in makeup, wigs, and dresses. I think she sort of went back and forth on the two. 
Um, and we'll go into more of that later. Um, but they traveled all over the Canada and US. They opened for artists like Marvin Gaye and the um, Temptations and Etta James. Uh, her first single was a cover of Money, That's All I Want in 1962. And Hell then yeah. she released her biggest hit, Any Other Way, later that year. Um, if you are familiar with Stax Records in Memphis, you might know the original version of that song uh, by William Bell, who is awesome. Um, but Jackie's version, it, it follows William Bell's version too, but there are the lyrics, tell her that I'm happy, tell her that I'm gay. No. And of course, William Bell means it as happy. happy. But in Jackie's version, of course, there's a little bit of a wink and a nod. I love it. Gay wasn't in mainstream usage as homosexual. It was meant happy. But of course, everyone who was going to Jackie's shows knew what she meant. I love it. I do too. Uh, most media that covered her wrote about her in a pretty androgynous way. Um, some just called her a drag queen. Oh. Um, she did identify as male in some early interviews, but later on, she just started dodging questions about her gender. I wonder if this too was done out of a sense of safety because this right. was the sixties and I don't care whether you're in and Canada. She's already getting hassled by cops. It's like, yeah. why paint a target on yourself? Yeah. And so she, she did not publicly go on record as a transgender woman until 2017, but I think it, it's as she said, she knew she was a woman at age 13. So right. as far as I'm concerned, she's a woman. End of story. So her live shows were just incredible. Um, she p- and enjoyed playing for integrated audiences in Canada, um, and they loved her. Um, <laughs> she would, it, when you hear her live, it's so cool because she just stops in the middle of the songs and like starts preaching at people. She should have been a preacher in a way. Next. And I guess she was um, because she would preach from the stage about all kinds of stuff. And I have a little bit of a sermon from her later on. But she talks about her life, uh, sexual politics, religion. She told an audience in 1967, this is the closest to Jesus Christ some of you will ever get. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She released several more singles in throughout the 60s. Her fame continued to rise. She made a TV appearance on Nashville, a local Nashville TV show called Night Train. She performed Rufus Thomas's hit, Walking the Dog. Okay. Um, And this is one of my favorite things in the world. I love this story, y'all. She was offered a spot on the Ed Sullivan show, which I don't care what generation you're from. You know, the Ed Sullivan show. That was huge. Everyone in America watched the Ed Sullivan show. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal to be asked on there, but she refused because they wanted her to look male. They wanted her to present as a male. And this is her quote. This is beautiful, beautiful quote, y'all. His scout came out and said, you're going to have to do this without makeup. I said, please stuff it. Ed (laughs) Sullivan, it gets better. Ed Sullivan looks like something Dr. Frankenstein had a hand in. He's going (laughs) to tell me what to do. (laughs) I I love love it. it. (laughs) So um, Jackie recorded a bunch of singles. She never technically recorded a full length album. And I've seen a lot of reasons for that, partly because she just mostly enjoyed performing rather than recording. I've also seen that she didn't really trust record labels with her music, which I get. And also Canada's music industry just wasn't as strong as America's. And she had such a better foothold in Canada than she did in America. It would have made sense for her to record in Canada, but either way, we do have a slew of singles from her and I'll talk about her music in a little bit. Um, 
But her final single was Cruel Cruel World, released in 1969. And then after about 1970, she basically disappears off the face of the earth. Um, She had a falling out with Frank Motley of Frank Motley and his Motley (laughs) group. Um, He was a little Motley, haha. Um, They both got into a bonkers fight and threatened each other and it's best they went their certain ways she moved to los angeles um she almost joined george clinton's funkadelic which (laughs) i would oh my god that that would have made my life that would have been amazing um but she ended up quitting the music career entirely to care full-time for her mother who had fallen ill um she was very very close with her mother and she didn't want her mother living alone um her mother's husband had passed and she's like no I'm, I'm moving in to take care of her um so her mother died in 1997 and in the early 2000s Jackie moved back to Nashville um like I said she really sort of took this break mostly for her mother but also she she had said too that her music career was pretty exhausting the keeping up with the touring and recording and all this kind of stuff she she appreciated the break but by the time she moves to Nashville in the early 2000s she basically kind of becomes a recluse um she didn't want to be recognized she didn't want to go out um I don't know that I I don't know that this is like a bad thing I think it's just the life she chose for herself um she had a cat named sweetie and she would uh go out to get food for sweetie but she enjoyed staying in and watching classic movies and i'm like ma'am same that is the same. life exactly the life. Like, a I, cat named sweetie fuck yeah yeah. Heck yeah so what's really frustrating though is that i mean she kind of fell off the map which it's easy to do in the 70s 80s 90s early 2000s right right most of her bandmates lost touch with her and rumors swirled that she died and the cbc radio um inside the music did a radio documentary about her called i got mine the story of jackie shane in 2010 it misgenders her throughout Uh, and of course it does well to be fair she did not say I am a transgender woman until 2017, but okay. still, I'm like, when you hear her bandmates talk about her, I'm like, how did you not? I just would have thought you would have, but she may not have ever said, please use she pronouns. Right. I don't know. But they also talk about her like she's dead because they don't know where she is. It's really odd to listen to it knowing she's alive because they're like, we don't know. We heard this happened to her. We heard that happened to her. It's so weird to listen to it. Yeah. You cannot listen to it unless you're in Canada, but you can if you go on SoundCloud. Uh-huh. Thank you for the person who uploaded it because while I did not enjoy the misgendering or the wild speculation about where she was, it, it's still it's still a pretty good document. I, I still say there needs to be a film made about this woman. Oh She's yeah, incredible for sure. Yeah. So anyway, in 2017, the reissue label, a Numero Group released a double album of her music called any other way after her biggest hit they went out of their way to find her and they actually worked with her on this compilation so it was the first time since 69 that she was directly involved with the production and then re-release of her music um it's a great great compilation y'all it's on all the streaming services the first like quote-unquote disc because <laughs> who does this <laughs> is uh like studio recordings the second half is live performances those live performances oh they oh yes they're they're glorious i love, <laughs> love them it. 
Sheena's going to church over here with her hands. I love her. She's so cool. Um, And that compilation was nominated for Best Historical Album at the Grammy Awards, but it did lose. But that's okay. It's still Grammy nominated, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, She did conduct a couple of interviews in those last years because, of course, having that new um, compilation come out and people all of a sudden knew where she was. Um, And she did say she was interested in performing again, but it never happened. Uh, Jackie Shane was 78 when she died in her sleep at her home in Nashville Mm. on February 21st, 2019. She's buried at the Hills of Calvary Memorial Park in Nashville. Looks like it's a very active cemetery, but I couldn't find a picture of her grave. Assuming she has a marker, I hope she does. Mm -hmm. And I hope it just says Jackie Shane. I don't know too, by the way, that I think Jackie Shane's just her given name. I don't, I, I never found a dead name, which even if there was one, I wouldn't use it, but I, I just think her name is Jackie Shane. Either we way. We should make a road trip. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Let's see if we um, can find it. So yeah, so she, if you want to um, hear her music, like I said, it, it's on the streaming services. Also, if you happen to be in Toronto, please be on the lookout for a 22-story musical mural that is in Toronto. It features all kinds of musicians like Muddy Waters' Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, <laughs> and BB King and the one and only Jackie Shane. It is really pretty. Um, but I want to close this out. Y'all, y'all know I like to close on a quote. Yes. Um, <laughs> by a sermon that she delivered in the middle of a performance of money. That's what I want. And this is not the whole sermon. Her whole sermon is long. <laughs> I cut it off, but this is her quotes. So, you know, when I'm walking down Young Street, you won't believe this, but you know, some of them funny people have the nerve to point their finger at me and grin and smile and whisper. But you know, but you know that Jackie don't, but you know that don't worry, Jackie, because I know I look good. And every Monday morning, I laugh and grin on the way to the bank because I got mine. I look good. I got money. I got everything else that I need. You know what my slogan is? baby do what you want just know what you're doing as Ah! long as you don't force your will or your way on anybody else live your life because ain't nobody sanctified and holy you see what i mean i love (laughs) it i love her so much yeah if you look up pictures of her there's some beautiful photos of her and just full-on 60s wigs makeup dresses she looks incredible love it she looks like a rock star uh i just yes I've just really enjoyed learning more about her. And, um, you know, she's one of those soul singers that you just, we should know her name the way we know Aretha's or the way we know Diana Ross or anyone else from that same kind of time period. Um, I just found her absolutely fascinating. Love it. So, yeah. All right. We hope you have enjoyed. Yes. Um, Yes. This is a tough episode. I don't know how much you can enjoy some of it. I'm going, I'm going to. I'm going to share something that I saw on social media to be kind of a bright spot uh, in this episode that made me and even Adam giggle. It's uh, something from Twitter at Brianna Shrum. So this is what her tweet reads. Someday everyone will be able to immediately pick out all the millennial gravestones because (laughs) everyone else's will be like loving husband, wings of angels. And ours will be like, thank fuck. (laughs) A very good boy. (laughs) 
1995 to 2064. Nice. Nice. (laughs) And this is my favorite one. She died doing what she loved, being murdered. (laughs) And I love that so much. And I saw that. Was it on Hannah's Facebook? It was. I saw saw her today. Yeah. And I responded to it, y'all. I've seen a a gravestone in this place in which I live, which is the Night Vale of Mississippi, um, with a grave with a hashtag on it. I love it. Hannah, I don't, I'm not trying to, I should not, I should not say that in a mocking way because you know what, if you want one, have one, but I, I literally had to stop and be like, Hannah and I was I'm sure it was your every time you share something I'm like oh I need to share this with Hannah and it's like shit Hannah's on it yeah she's already done it yes I was reading that from your shared post on Facebook and it was probably the one I saw earlier that made me giggle um but yes so that is that is how yes if I I want to be remembered but if my my nibblings do a monument for me I just wanted to say lol (laughs) <laughs> perfect so what and are we know, doing next week sheena well hold on I have oh i'm sorry oh now, speaking of um things you see on social media that you really like um yeah. mid-south pride which is based in memphis they had have a post that they put out every so often um with the inclusive rainbow flag and it says you're perfect just the way you are Aww. and that's something that's really stuck with me since i saw it of i don't ever want anyone in this earth to think they're not mm-hmm. i don't Absolutely. care i don't care circumstances i mean unless you're like you know putin or something <laughs> he's not perfect but who you are you're perfect just the way you are yes. and and like i said again anyone who is questioning their gender anyone who is transgender please know we love you deeply and we, well that was we are like i was you. listening to born this way on the way home from work <sighs> and it's like um, so if you're of a religious bend, just remember, God doesn't make mistakes. You're not yeah. a mistake. You hundred percent. What you are is what you were meant to be. Yes, exactly. So yeah, next week, um, we are trying to lighten <laughs> things up. We know we have bummed you out greatly in the last couple of weeks. Yes. Um, sorry. <laughs> I bummed myself out. <laughs> I mean, someone on Twitter, when we said that our last episode was animals who mourn humans was like oh so i'm gonna cry at this and i'm like no maybe not maybe, like, sorry. maybe just a little sorry twitter person um but anyway no so next week we are going to have some fun we're going to lighten it up we're going to get spooky in spring Woo-hoo. um that's the name of the episode i guess spooky yes. in spring. we're just going to tell some it. spooky stories um hopefully all cemetery related maybe maybe not who knows um depends on how i feel yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get spooky with it because we enjoy ghosts and cryptids and spooky stuff so um look forward to that the next week and then we'll go back to more serious stuff later but um yes. absolutely until then um yeah, do be be kind and love your neighbor and uh, follow us review. on yes, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can email us. We would love to get some listener stories to share on our spooky episode. We sure. would yes, send so send on. us an email to cemeteryrowpod at gmail dot com. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah, tell your friends about us, please. Um, write us a review please Um, and we will catch you next time alright bye